I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Soul Sisters. Jesse Katz here with Dar Golub. That's right. You got us both. And uh, we're here today with Christine Ebersol, who... We both love from various <laughs> projects, uh, such as Richie Rich, My Girl 2, Tootsie, Tootsie Amadeus, Ghost Dad, Ghost Dad. Ghost Dad. Wait, Bill is, Cosby? Yeah, okay. So it's weird. Are I mean, we allowed to say Bill Cosby? No, isn't it sad that we can't? Because, like, he was great then. He's, yeah. It's really sad, but anyway. Honestly, I never had a personal affinity for Ghost Dad. I'm okay to lose that one, I but was, okay, yeah. that's fine. Fair yeah. enough. Um, but she's also a Broadway legend. She's won a couple of Tony Awards and a million other theater awards. And uh, she's doing a little stint at the Cafe Carlisle. So she popped in to the studio to record with us before she goes to rehearse for that show. And um, she's an interesting lady. She was also on SNL. And uh, she had a very interesting story to share with us about how she got cast on that. Basically, Smoked a Joint was her audition. And um, told us about her time out in L.A. when she was told by her agent that she was too old Mm -hmm. to get roles. And uh, she wasn't even 50 yet. You're 45, darling. You're 45. So pack it up. (laughs) And uh, that's kind of what she did. A whole new new life. Yeah. So very interesting talk. Um, Very, very soul sisters-ish. So I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Let's get to it. Today's episode with Christine Ebersol. So are you also working more now that the kids are gone? Or, no. or you're just really enjoying this no, peaceful time? It's, it's, I don't feel... The thing is that... Um, I mean, I'm certainly working the same, which mm-hmm. is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it just always is, has been that way. Yeah. But I That's don't good. feel... But the difference is I don't feel as guilty. Mm-hmm. Because when I was away all the time, yeah. all the time, yeah. you know, missed out on a lot of stuff. So that was a period when they were really growing up yeah, and in yeah. middle school, high school, yeah. when you were doing a lot of TV. School, yeah. Well, Where, it, what it, was it the was period? Di- it, was di- it was different stuff. It was Broadway. So this was the 90s we're talking about? Yeah. When <clears> the the first born? one was born in 93. We okay. were still living in LA. We moved um, in 99 mm-hmm. to Maplewood. Uh, but <clears throat> 93, if I'm correct, is when you did Gypsy. The movie, I want to yeah, say that. Oh my god, <laughs> that that one stuck out to me because yeah, I'm a huge yeah, gypsy yeah. bit Midler. Yeah, and that's when that's when all this commotion was all happening around Elijah's adoption. So, mm. Um, mm. but yeah, it happened just right after that. Okay, right after Gypsy, and right before I went to do My Girl Two, Elijah was like 48 hours old. I'm on the set of My Girl 2. Wow. Yeah, so he was like literally like born in a trunk, you know. <laughs> so you would have gotten that part pregnant, very pregnant, 
And then they knew that you were going to then not be pregnant by the time they started to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, like, I mean, who knows? I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, it's just the way it worked out. Yeah, so, but but you see, but then, you know, then we got two kids in one day, mm-hmm. you know, uh, May May and Aaron, they came from like China okay, and Minnesota, okay. and it was like it happened in one day. And I didn't know till we didn't know till that day was happening. Bill was flying back from China with May May, who I hadn't met. I get a call saying Aaron's coming, so you know Erica, his birth mom, with with Jamie came and you know brought Aaron. I mean, but it was like. You know, and poor Elijah, you know, it's like, get in the car, you're getting your brother and sister tonight, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, wow. Can you imagine the trauma of that? Well, he was only three, you well, know? So. Or I guess at that age, they're not old enough to No, but he thought it was temporary. Questions. Oh. He thought they were going back. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? He thought it was just a visit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, was it going to be permanent, you know? Are they but, close now? <laughs> well, they're they're getting closer. Okay. You okay. know, I think, I think, I don't know what it's like when you're, you know, whether you're in a biological family or an adopted family, mm-hmm. you're always vying for, you know, attention from the parents, you know? So there's always like stiff competition with the siblings. Right. And it seems like after you leave home, then you see them in a different way, you know? So, I mean, I know that was true for me. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of fighting and a lot of competition mm. going on when I was growing up. My mom had four kids in six years, you know, so Ooh, that was really wow. close yeah. in age. Yeah. Were any of the of your siblings into the arts? Uh, they, we all were required to play instruments. So we, you know, that was like a given. So everybody played instruments. And my mom taught us how, how to sing harmony and all that kind of stuff. She played the piano. <clears throat> she was like a rehearsal pianist at the Methodist church. So when she was growing up on the farm, so, uh, we all, you know, that music was a big part of our lives, but, uh-huh. but I think it was, ne- I think it was a part of the culture as well, mm. you know, before TV and iPads and all that stuff. And I mean, I, we were very restricted in terms of television. You know, we were allowed an hour a week. Yeah. We could watch TV. So, what what um, would you watch yeah. in that hour? Well, Do you remember? I, it would change, but okay. it was uh, right. it was um, the Wild Wild West. I uh-huh. liked the Mod Squad and uh, Candy Camera. Yeah, those uh-huh. are the three that I kind of remember. Did you have Hollywood aspirations as a child? No, or? Uh-uh. I was no. going to be a nurse. Yeah, you know, and okay. then when I got to college, I I thought, well, maybe I'll be a lawyer or maybe I'll be a a psychotherapist, which is interesting because they're kind of related, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And uh, I remember my mother talking to my mom in college, and she was like, get into music, get into theater. Wow. <laughs> and both both my parents were very supportive uh-huh. of me being in show business. Were you always singing to yourself, even if not professionally at that point? Like, well, it seems like it. I mean, my dad, who was very much into, uh, like, he was very much into, like in the old days, they had the reel-to-reel tape recorders, mm-hmm. you know? So he's very much into that. I mean, he just loved, you know, recording, you know, like, you know, giving interviews to his four-year-old kids, you know, and it's like to his children. Yeah. So he had this recording of me when I was three years old. It was Christmas Eve, and my dad's kind of like, you know, Edward R. Murrow, it's Christmas yeah. Eve, 1956, and what you're hearing is... Mother playing Christmas carols and <laughs> the kids are singing and Pop is about to join them, right? Yeah. So no. then you hear my mother singing. Um, she's playing Jingle Bells, you know, and all the kids are singing. She goes, "Now let Christy sing the chorus, just Christy." Are you ready, Christy? My brother goes, "Sing!" You know. So I sing Jingle Bells, and the whole thing is 
completely on pitch at three. Wow. So, you know, I mean, it was a gift, you know, yeah. it was just something that I was given. So, and you mm-hmm. carried that out through your life before you realized when you yeah, said, I want to be a lawyer, but I really <laughs> have this voice and it's fun. I mean, well, was it? It was something I loved to do, I guess. Yeah. You know, I mean, I did, I, I sang, but I never kind of put the dots together mm-hmm. until um, I was at McMurray College in Jacksonville, Illinois, and I had a professor, you know, I was dabbling in the theater, and he said, You got to get out of here. You mm-hmm. can't stay. You got to go. Got to go to New York. He literally said, don't wow. stay at this school. You wow. have to leave. Wow. And Were you ready? Right. Were you emotionally ready? Yeah. Well, How did you receive that? <laughs> um, it kind of, it was kind of like a convergence of, you know what I mean? It was like I was, it was like opportunity meets preparation mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So maybe all along I was pr- unconsciously preparing for it. Mm-hmm. And so that when, when the call came, the person said, go. Wow. Because you were having these sort of opposite like to the norm influences your mom saying go for music <laughs> yeah. your teacher at school right. saying I leave know. school I, I mean know. yeah so it had to mean something yeah so you did it, yeah, so you left exactly wow so I went I got accepted to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts so when I was 20 years old I left uh Winnetka Illinois <laughs> first time in New York yeah first time in New York and I stayed at the East End Hotel for Women, which was on 77th and East River Drive. And at the time I got there, it had become like a, it had, it had become co-ed. Uh-huh. But I think it was also kind of like a, like a halfway house for, you know, Happy mm-hmm. Dale. So it was like, okay. <laughs> there was a lot of really interesting characters there. <laughs> was this and, like in lieu of a dorm or this was their dorm? I, no, this or was like, kind this of like stage like... door in a way. I don't know. It was like they got let out, you know, so this is where they went, <laughs> okay. where it was $46 a week, which included two meals a day. Nice. So, and the, and the bathrooms were down the hall and, you know, there was a sink in the room and I was sharing it with my girlfriend, Nancy Cook, who graduated from the uh, from McMurray College and so she was ready to go back to New York and so I said let's just you know let's get this place together you yeah know? so um and then what was, was school first... like for you then um it was amazing yeah. you know it was just it was so did it immediately feel like, like you were a... with your people yeah, yeah. totally is AMDA totally a mu- like... musical okay no, it's, it's, it's just Ada. American Oh, okay. American Academy of Dramatic Arts. It's, okay. I think the other one is like American, American Musical. American Musical Dramatic yeah. mm-hmm. Okay. So this so was, this was not was a musical be... theater program. No. And it never occurred to me that I'd ever do a musical. Never. Huh. Uh-huh. Really? Thought, you know, it's like my dad said, you know, I knew from the first day I laid eyes on you, you were going to grow up to be a great dramatic actress. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no pressure, dad. But I, like, <laughs> I mean, but, um, but yeah, I just, I just thought that it would be theater and, uh-huh. you know, maybe sing cabaret. Because mm-hmm. that's what uh, that was one of the first jobs I ever had. Actually, oh yeah, was I? I met this guy Marty Henney, who was who played the piano at the American Academy, and so we got together and he just we put together an act. And I auditioned at the Continental Baths, and Ted Hook, who was like the you know main guy there, was like, I don't I don't think uh, this is really the right place for you, but. I think that Gypsies would be great for you, which was a place on 58th and 1st Avenue. And it was run by this guy named James Hawk, who's also known as Gypsy. And he was like kind of bald and had really short hair and wore these like long 
chandelier kind of rhinestone chandelier earrings mm. with a tuxedo and like mules with like feathers on them you know uh, no makeup so I wasn't dragged but it was like its own version uh-huh. you know what I mean it sounds iconic yeah <laughs> it was, it, like, it it was totally like, iconic like, cool. it was totally <laughs> iconic and and he just he's still living I, I I mean I hear he's like he's out in LA now uh-huh. that was the last time I saw him but he was just like the kindest man so hilariously mm. funny sang you know was a chanteuse and a uh-huh. raconteur or whatever and um it was so supportive of my first endeavor i mean i was 20 years old wow and did a cabaret act yeah mm-hmm. so with all the like american songbook standards yep. what was mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. guess i'll hang my tears out to dry mm-hmm. spring can really hang you up the most i mean stuff like that you know and but, then what did that uh, lead to well, it led me to uh, a job as a waitress. <laughs> as, all good, exactly. as all good New York performers exactly. yeah, start okay. out as. Mm-hmm. I worked at the Lion's Rock, which was on 77th between 1st and 2nd. Uh-huh. It's now condominiums, but it was a great start. Yeah. Um, because after I graduated from the academy, I had to get a job and really was kind of expected um, by my family and my parents to support myself. Uh-huh. And in those days, you could. You could totally support yourself living in New York and working as a waitress. <laughs> so and sad. I, know, I know. It's unbelievable. And really, the rent, you know, because the, the formula was that the rent would be a quarter of your monthly income. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Now so it's like half. three-fourths. Or, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just nuts. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So And were you comfortable in the city life? I loved it. I mean, was that you were like, this is this is this home, is and I'm not yeah, intimidated too much by the pace not by and the it people. All. No, uh-uh. no, I loved it. I just loved it. And did the school set you up with the tools to find a manager and find an agent or find they whatever you needed really to do? They didn't really have that facility, but I really lucked out because I was doing a play for my senior in my senior year. I, I don't know they call it senior year because it was only a two-year program, so I got an associate of arts degree. <clears throat> but I was doing a play called The Robesart Affair, which was written by one of the teachers at the school, Francis Letton. And he was represented by this woman named Lucy Kroll. So she came to see the play because she was representing the, you know, the playwright. And she was taken by my performance. I was playing a young Queen Elizabeth. <clears throat> and so she said, you know, that she wanted to represent me as an agent. And she was, in her day, like, huge, big-time, you know, agent. Uh-huh. And um, so I started working with her while I was a waitress. Mm-hmm. And um, I auditioned. She had set me up for this audition for Angel Street, which was uh, a revival that they were doing that Shepard Traub was producing. And it was the... Angel Street was the play that the movie Gaslight with Ingrid Bergman mm-hmm. uh, that was uh, started out as Angel Street, okay, and then became the movie Gaslight, okay. And it was actually Angela Lansbury's first film role um, as Nancy, the impish maid. <laughs> so that was the part that I auditioned for, uh huh. And it was already been cast by Christine Andreas, but then after they had done the play for about three months. Then she went off to do My Fair Lady with uh, Rex Harrison. So my agent called me. I'd just come home from Waiting Tales. She goes, darling, you're on Broadway. <laughs> it was literally oh. like that. Oh, my God. So, you know, you go back to work and <laughs> tell the little people. Yeah. You know, the great white calls. And then three weeks later, the show closed. 
I was back. Can I have my job back? Really? <laughs> yeah. Because so you didn't like need to work when you were in the show. You probably you didn't can't. Need to do, when no, the, during the day, can't. I guess. Yeah, I guess. No, no. you can't. Yeah. I mean, you can't. You're, you're, right. You're yeah. rehearsing and then you're. Yeah, you're yeah, making yeah, a salary, yeah. you know, Broadway yeah, yeah, salary. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Wow. So, okay, but you didn't let it keep you down, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) No, and that's why I remember, like, I remember my father, you know, who was just, I I think he was a frustrated actor himself, you know, so he kind of was living vicariously through Like, had he ever tried acting or just? Yeah, he did it in, um, and he was a great, I mean, my God, he was like, I would have to say my father was really like my first acting teacher because he was, had this very dramatic flair and had this gorgeous voice and you know speaking voice and uh-huh. was always quoting Shakespeare you know he's like Shakespeare if you had to measure his knowledge in Shakespeare by degrees he'd be a PhD mm-hmm. I mean he just knew everything about Shakespeare and could and like I've said many times he could solve any of the world's problems at any given time by uh-huh. Just quoting from <laughs> Shakespeare. You know, there's a time when he appears a man. Yes, Dad. Okay. I just wanted to know what the temperature was. Great. <laughs> right, that's a whole education. In but itself. I remember being at the at the Lions Rock and talking to my dad on the phone, and he was like, "I was like, oh, I can't. Uh, I don't think so." He's like, "Hang in there. Hang in there. It's gonna happen. Hang in there. Don't get up." And so, happen. what was the next turning point? Do you remember? Um, the next thing was a, a show called Green Pond, and that was um, run by the South Carolina, you know, performing arts something. So it was a musical by Mel Marvin and Robert Montgomery, and it was about uh, two couples that were down in Green Pond, South Carolina, and it was very. You know, it was it was very revolution. I don't know what the right word is, but it, I mean, it was ahead of its time in a way because here are these two people that weren't married, and they were living together. So we played this in South Carolina, and there were people mm-hmm. that had never seen plays before, never seen this is a musical. Mm-hmm. They'd never seen anything like this, and you know, sometimes you just see like the the revolving door, like people yeah. just getting up and leaving. Yeah, it was wow. too much. Did that play go on? I haven't heard of that. That actually ended up playing at the West Side Arts Theater. I guess it was called the Chelsea West Side back then on 43rd Street, um, right across from Manhattan Plaza. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So we did it there. Yeah. And um, So were you a, a steady theater actor kind of from that point on? Yes, because okay. after that I got um, like, oh, well, this was a, I got, um, I have my resume here. Uh, but it was, um, I remember auditioning for, it was like a big, big snowstorm in New York, and they wanted to get understudies for a standbys. Standbys, not yet understudy. I mm-hmm. guess when you're an understudy, you have a part in the show, generally. Right. But standby is, I mean, you standby. So um, it was for... Uh, Okay. I love my wife. Do you remember that? Not the Chris Rock movie, no. No, (laughs) I I love my wife. I think I love my wife. I don't know that. Charles Strauss. Okay. Okay. I think. I hope. No, it wasn't. Oh, shoot. Better edit. (laughs) Fact check later. No, 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 it wasn't. It was Cy Coleman, what I'm saying. It was Cy Coleman. I love my wife. wife. Cy Coleman, yeah. And my agent was like, I, I didn't have Lucy Kroll at the time. It was a different agent. And they said, um, 
uh, yeah, no, I don't think you should go in and audition for that. You know, it's like, because if you're a standby, then you're not going to be, you know, they're going to look at you only as that, as, as a perpetual kind of understudy, a standby mm. kind of thing. I don't care. A job's a job. A job's a job. So I just remember like trudging through this deep snow to go for this audition and I got it. And it was to understudy that it was like only a four character play and it was to understudy the two female roles. Uh-huh. That Joanna Gleason and Eileen Graff were, were playing. Oh. And Lenny Baker, who was the star of it, and I think I don't know, I think he got the Tony for that. And um so he had gotten he had gotten ill, so um, I, I don't remember who was on after that, but um, so yeah, that was it. You know, I did that. And were you and when then, you would audition at this time? Were you thinking of yourself as anything? I will just be anything, or did you say to yourself, "I have this leading lady persona," or I'm or I I'm really good at comedy, or I'm good at this? Because eventually, you became you are someone who I think of as so adept at comedy as well as everything else i mean you're you're the you know you're the egot person you could get you have you could be eligible for all of these awards you do everything mm. and yet my first memory of you of being aware of you is um richie rich oh, the classic uh-huh. right that's, totally that's classic. Classic. it's really it's classic <laughs> and 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 i don't know if this is just me and my gender but but i have this Really, you're an iconic comedian, yeah, as well as a you know Broadway performer and mm-hmm. all of these other things. So when did that come into your head that well, that's you're really, really funny? Because that you asked that because when I went to um, to audition for Oklahoma, they wanted me to audition for Lori. Mm. I played Lori. Yeah, <laughs> I did love Oklahoma. Yeah, it's, a, it's such a great show. So after I auditioned for Lori, I said, um, "Is it okay if I?" Audition for Ada Annie. Hmm. So and you did. Said, yeah. You thought, knew. So you just felt this is going to be, I'm, I can shine better here. Not, and not the but leading role. When was that? When Ada was Oklahoma? Annie. That was 1979. Okay. Ada Annie steals the show. I mean, Lori's, yeah. Lori's pretty boring. Right. Lori's pretty <laughs> vanilla. Well... Well, it's pretty. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. 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 But Ada Annie has a lot of fun. Yes. yes. A so ton she, of fun. She sure does have fun. And that's yeah. true so often in these though in the musicals from that era of like, like the leading ladies yeah, like just adelaide, like adelaide like adelaide, and adelaide Sarah. Right. exactly mm-hmm. all of the yeah so so you did have that sense of yourself like i i want to expand more and sort of be bigger and broader and or you just had more fun in those yeah what was roles? what 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 made you ask to be to know. audition for that i don't know i just i think probably i thought it was more fun yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right. And so do you feel it? Well, then you went from Oklahoma to Camelot. I don't know if it yep. was one to the next, mm-hmm. but and Guinevere is a pretty straight. Yeah. Yeah. Really straight. Really and straight. I had like three days to learn that one. <laughs> really? Wow. Why? So. Well, um, because what happened was I was doing Oklahoma and I had put in my notice because I wanted to take the summer off. I'd been doing the show for a year. Right. So um, I had put in a four week notice and it was. Um, three week, uh, one week to go. You know, I was, I had three weeks had gone by and I had one week to go. So I get, I was like at an, an, one of Ted Hook's nightclubs, um, which was, I think, backstage or on stage, one of those two, watching <clears throat> somebody perform. And Barry Moss, who was a casting director at the time, said, uh, What would you think about doing Guinevere 
opposite Richard Burton. He's like, well, come up to my office and get the mimeograph sides and then, uh, you know, we'll take it from there. So I did. I went up, got the sides and went and had this audition. And Jerry Adler, who was the stage manager at the time, and, you know, there's like the ghost light on the stage and I'm reading with Jerry Adler, and all of a sudden I hear this very distinctive voice coming from the house, and it's Richard Burton, mm-hmm. and he wants to read with me. So he, walk, you know, it's like the slow motion thing. He's like walking <laughs> down this, you know, beautiful blue cashmere V-neck sweater with like to illuminate his beautiful blue eyes. Yeah. <laughs> he walks up on stage, and I'm. You know, I'm just trying to act normal. You know what I mean? <laughs> and hi, nice to meet you. But inside, I'm like, I read with him, right? So I read with him, and uh, the producers came up, running up on stage and said, "Listen, kid, can you learn the part by Friday?" Wait, but you were still in Oklahoma. This yeah. Wow. So what do you? Can you learn to- the part by Friday? I said, "Sure." <laughs> you know what I mean? Did you, what had, you know? Were you what do I know? very familiar with it? Had you seen it? Did you? I mean, I knew the music. Okay. Was this the original? This was no, no, a revival. No, 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 no. This revival. Okay, right. Julie Andrews was in the original. Okay, right. I didn't know who you. Who did you replace? Uh, some girl who left the business. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you knew, but so you knew it, but you didn't they know had been the, rehearsing the with lyrics. The other girl for like three weeks. Wow. wow. How did you get so, out of Oklahoma? Yeah. Well, what they had to do was they called. They had to call the producers. Uh huh. And then put the uh, my understudy in like the for the last week. Mm-hmm. So I went in on this was like on a Saturday, I think. I can't remember like Friday maybe. And then Saturday and then Sunday was going to be my last show. Mm-hmm. So that was my last show. Took the final bow on that. And then Monday, we flew to Toronto. I packed my bags, flew to Toronto on Monday. Then on. Tuesday, our uh, Monday night was the sits probe. You know, when you play, when you sit with the orchestra and you go through the music. Then Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday was all, you know, tech. So they're like teching the show, get, adjusting the lights and all that kind of stuff. So there's no, I mean, you're not rehearsing. Yeah. You know what I mean, so that's when I learned the part and during oh those my three gosh. days. Whoa. That's when I learned. Fortunately, it's. Yeah. I, I feel like it wouldn't be a show with a ton of blocking, and it's not. It's just kind of like oh, move here, or is it, or no, is it? No, there was no. It's there one was, of my all-time yeah. favorite. Yeah. It's just the greatest, yeah. greatest show, and yeah. the music. Yeah, the music is the gorgeous. music that Guinevere gorgeous. sings yeah. is gorgeous to die. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you're laughing but at me. Like, <laughs> I mean, but I, I guess I'm. I guess I'm comparing it to the role that the sort of broadness of an Ado Annie uh-huh. and did was it a stark contrast like what what we were talking about in terms of to Guinevere and here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, 
like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is crazy. When yeah. did you move to L.A.? I moved to L.A. in 1985. Okay. Were, is it that your career was going so well here that it seemed like the natural next step? I think it or was things like, weren't. Or you, well, did you have like I, a I was moment? in a show called Harrigan and Hart. Okay. Which, you know, everybody was like planning their Tony speeches uh-huh. and then they closed the show in three days. Oh, man. Frank Rich killed it and we just like really? <clears throat> closed in three days. And so um, then I went down to um, Florida to do Ado Annie. I mean, sorry, to do Adelaide in Guys and Dolls uh-huh. and, at Burt Reynolds, uh, Reynolds Dinner Theater in Jupiter, Florida. The Charles Nelson <laughs> Riley directed. And that was a really great experience. And I had done uh, Saturday Night Live in between that. Yeah, that was right. Saturday Night Live. <laughs> oh, right. There's oh, a little right. jaunt into Saturday Night Live. <laughs> no, that was, after, that we was have to right hear... after Guinevere. So, yeah. So that was like literally went from Ado Annie to Guinevere. Yeah, actually, we need details of this. Let's rewind How did this happen? Yeah. Like, what What was your, how did you get cast Ado on Annie, SNL? Ado Annie, Guinevere, SNL. I know. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was like crazy. But I, no one goes from Broadway to SNL now. So Certainly not. How did it happen for you? Well, that, that was Dick Eversole, who's no relation, by the way. Right. He spells it <laughs> S-O-L minus S-O-L-E. But everyone thought... It was all, you know, sure. everyone thought he was like my, my ex-husband, <laughs> right. my brother, whatever. So, um, like the third year of SNL or something? No, it was the first five years Seven? was the original cast. Yeah, and then there was an right. intermediate year uh, with Gene Demanian and then Dick Eversole came okay. on. So there was five years, wow. there was like a five-year interim between Lauren Michaels and when Lauren Michaels came back. Mm-hmm. So we were in that interim of uh, Dick Eversole producing. And what happened was Dick wanted to, um, he wanted to introduce music in a way that, mm. that, that um, you know, the performers could actually sing. That's yeah. to a huge credit of Dick Eversole yeah, for introducing totally. that. It's huge yeah. in SNL now. To- yeah. Totally. Absolutely. And so um, I guess he found out I guess he saw me performing in, was it Oklahoma? Something on the Today Show, okay? He saw something on the Today Show, so he got me in. Oh, I know what it was. I know what it was. Here it was. I auditioned for a TV show called Love, Sydney with Tony Randall. Uh Susie Kurtz ended up playing, but I auditioned for that. And that was for NBC. So that's what it was. Okay. And it was... So I guess he knew that I could sing, but this was a a very dramatic scene. And it was, uh, you know, where my character was pregnant and not married and, you know, trying to find a place to live and something like that. So so that's what, there was this really dramatic scene. He thought that it was, there was like an honesty, an authenticity about the scene, so he wanted to bring me in. So I came in and met with um, Michael O'Donohue who was also one of the producers and one of the writers on the show. So this is literally the audition. Um, <clears throat> we went and watched some tapes and smoked a joint. That was it. <laughs> tapes of no. what? Just like some stuff on TV. Okay. Like, I don't know. So it was we like, it was just like just hanging <laughs> out, basically. Yeah, hanging out. So you didn't not have to Dick, do comedy. Not with Dick. You didn't not with Dick. This okay. was with Michael O'Donoghue. Okay. 
he was the renegade. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Dick was uh-huh. very straight, you uh-huh. know, straight laced. You know. But um, so yeah. they just wanted so to know if you were cool. No, no, it like wasn't. It wasn't even. It you. wasn't even that because I don't. Dick had no part in that whatsoever. Okay. So did you have to audition very, again for Dick? No, As no. Con- I just, I, you know, he just kind of brought me wow. in and like he knew that I could sing and and um, As- you know, thought that that tape was authentic and um. Because the, the audition process now is legendary for oh, SNL. Right. It's, I mean, yeah. tra- I, traumatizing and terrifying and, yeah. terrifying so and legendary. I did not. So that was it. I yeah. was supposed to join. That's so, how I got the job. Were you a fan of SNL? Did you understand fully? Oh, my God. Fully, I was like, like, huge, what? yeah. Yeah. Huge. Who else? Who was in the cast with you? Um, that we would... Eddie Murphy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Piscopo, Tony Rosado, Mary Gross. Wow. And what was it? I mean, was it everything? Brian Doyle Murray. Um, hey, how was your experience, was, if you could really, sum it up? It was, I, I would say it was really important experience, okay. but it wasn't easy. Right. Yeah, right. You it learned a lot. Did you have to write? Easy. No, I was not, I did not you were see not, myself as mm-hmm. a writer then. Right. And, um, you know, I mean, imagine, I was just, I would just played Guinevere a couple of weeks earlier. <laughs> I mean, he said, give on. me the, the soprano Richard, role. Give Richard me the soprano Burton, phone. And then Richard Harris, because Richard Burton got sick. So I did it with Richard Harris in, in L.A. Okay. So, I mean, if you had to, you know, Gundy would say, what preferred experience? If you could be Guinevere on Broadway, this is an unfair question. But if you could be Guinevere, like going from Guinevere on Broadway... <laughs> Just like a classic, iconic, incredible yeah, yeah, role yeah. to an incredible yeah. experience on SNL. I mean, how do you, you wrap know, you, your brain around? You don't. I mean, you don't. You just kind of career-wise. You just kind of go with what's in front of you. Yeah. But you know, there's also in that day there wasn't that like the celebrity-driven mm-hmm. social totally. media that it is now. So you could kind of just, you know, you were still just kind of living your life. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You just kind of live your life. But did it give you a bug for TV? Was that the first time you had um, done TV? Yeah, then? maybe that's a good question. So then maybe that's what that came from. I don't know. Like when you asked me about why I went to LA, yeah. you know. But um, I think it was just to like be, you know, to seek fame and fortune. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and how long did you live in LA for? 14 years. Okay. And how would you encapsulate that? <laughs> I think the bigger picture was finding my family. Yeah. Mm. You know, I thought it was to seek fame and fortune, right, but you right. know, my fortune was in was my your family. family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. So, that's along with doing that. a ton of work, working yeah. a ton. <laughs> right. yeah. I mean, yeah. But then ultimately but I mean, I deciding I, that you would be happier back here. Yeah, because I got the last plane out of Saigon. That's what happened. I mean, it really was. You know, I stayed too long at the fair. Yeah, yeah. I just what I, was the last? I, what was the project that then you said after that? Oh, okay, time to move on. Do you remember? Yeah, it was um, when I was doing Ally McBeal, and I had, you know, in the in its in your day in in Hollywood, you know, I'm like handed scripts. So you want to star in this? You want to do this? Blah blah blah. You want to do this TV series? You want to do that? Yeah, sure, that sounds great. And if it didn't go well, then you know you'd go to the head of the network and go, I don't think this is right for me, you know. And that literally happened. You know, mm-hmm. I got out of a TV show. You know, but this is like the my naivete. You know, that's just my naivete. So um, then I turned 45. And I, actually, when I, when I turned 40, I thought, I'm going to go, this is what I've really has been lacking in my life for the whole time I've been in Hollywood, and that is my music. 
Mm. So I decided to do a club act at the Cinegrill. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, it was just sort of like I, I was giving back to myself in a way, you know, to nourish myself uh-huh. because it, I had felt that that was kind of lacking. So um, I went and did this club act, and it was kind of all happening. Things were all kind of happening at once. Like I, there was a, I did Richie Rich, and then I did, um, you know, a couple of other movies. And then all of a sudden, it's just like the calls stopped coming in. You know what I mean? And I remember calling my agent, who shall remain nameless. Mm-hmm. Um, not my agent anymore. <laughs> when I said, you know, can you, why, I mean, what's happening? You know, like, why aren't, how come you're not, I'm not going out on these calls, you know? He goes, well, <laughs> you're 45. Like that. I was like, ooh, that was chill. That was a chill. Wow. <laughs> it was really cold. So um, then I get a call from a friend of mine who's casting director for Allie McBeal, and she's like, I'm so, and we, our kids were like in nursery school together. She's like, I'm so embarrassed. To, but do you mind like coming down to audition for, you know, it's like only like six lines, but I'd really appreciate it. You know what I mean? They're just like, she was like embarrassed, right? So embarrassed that you would have to audition? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That this is what I come to, this is what it's that come to. That you can just to. give yeah. you the part. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, um, you know, drive to East Jesus and like <laughs> go into this room and audition for it and get it. I get the part. Uh-huh. And uh, I didn't read the script, you know, it was like bullshit, bullshit, my line. I had like, <laughs> I had like six lines, right? Uh-huh. Had those memorized. So I go into the work and I go into work and uh, <laughs> I'm sitting at this lawyer's table and it's like, you know, it's a whole thing about like, my, what I'm going to be talking about. I mean, like the guy who like, you know, the, the dry cleaners could, it didn't take a lot of acting skill, let me tell you, to, to play this part. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I object to the mud wrestling club going into my neighborhood. That's, you know, that, those are the kind of <laughs> lines that I had, right? So I remember being off camera and Lucy Liu was on camera and they, you know, I'm at the, I'm at the lawyer's table, okay? Because we're in court. Uh-huh. So the cameras are on her, and she's all of a sudden she's talking, 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 and all of a sudden she points in my direction, and she goes, "You let that old woman talk." And so I didn't know what she was referring to, so I went like this. I looked behind me, <laughs> and I and I there was like all this like jury behind me, right? Because I thought I didn't know. I'm not on camera, right? So I'm looking behind me, and these guys behind me think I'm doing a bit, you know, because they're <laughs> like, like who's she talking about? And I was like, Oh my god, oh, shit, she's talking about me. Whoa. She's talking about me. So now I'm like that old woman, right? So I remember like going into um, the dressing room. And I remember going into the bathroom and looking in the mirror and then seeing, you know, how gravity takes hold, right? Uh So I'm giving myself the the imaginary facelift. You know what I mean? I'm just kind of lifting it up, just kind of thinking you know, so that they wouldn't be calling me old woman anymore. So I kind of do that. I look in that mirror and I just, I just said out loud, sotto voce, into the mirror, you got to get out of here. Wow. And six months later, lock, stock, and barrel, we were out with no job to go to. Wow. Wow. 
That's an amazing story. It is. Did you it come was, back to happened. New York? Yeah, I did. We just, we came, what happened was I was doing, um, I had been asked by Jay Binder to come and do an encore series at City Center. Uh-huh. And it was the Zigfield Follies of 1936. And so Bill, um, this was like, I guess, a couple of months after Allie with Bill, my husband Bill, and I, uh, I we came to New York and we, um, I was, I remember like being on stage and I said, you know, I want you to, to, to see what it was like, you know, because I didn't feel, you know, appreciated mm-hmm. out in LA mm-hmm. and, and I didn't feel useful. I didn't feel that, that my talent was put to any use at yeah. all. It was just kind of thrown in the bin, you know? Mm-hmm. And you were missing the music. Yeah, that too. And so I remember like being in the, you know, this New York audience and feeling so appreciated, you know, mm-hmm. that, that my talents were being appreciated and that I could put my talents to use, that mm-hmm. I would be useful. Mm-hmm. And I remember like being in the, after, after the show, Bill and I were at the Warwick Hotel and we, it's, I know it sounds really corny, but we just, um, started praying because we said, you know, we, we don't know what to do. You know, we don't know what to do. What can we do? You know, cause Bill was saying the same thing. You know, you're not appreciated in LA. They don't, you know, you're not here that you were so appreciated. Yeah. So it was like really when we were asking for guidance, you know, to say where, what should we do? Should we get out of, should we leave LA? Cause you know, we had just renovated the house mm. too. That's another thing. And we had three children. We went from one to three children in like one day, not to mention the seven pets, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it was like literally an answer to prayer literally came like that because, um, I'm trying to get the whole timeline here because the phone rang and it was um, Angelo Del Rossi from the Paper Mill Playhouse. And he said, we just saw you in at the Encore series and, and um, we would love for you to come to New York and do MAME, to come to the Paper Mill Playhouse and play MAME. Mm. So it was kind of like, the universe saying, yeah. You made the right decision. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But it's it's like kind of getting that timeline of like, you got to get out of here, mm-hmm. encores, mm-hmm. putting the house up for sale, mm-hmm. not knowing, you know, n- not having any place to move to either. So, and then finally get you know, and getting just all this yeah. convergence of all this stuff, like the universe saying, yeah, 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 you're on the right track, you know? Yeah. And then was that being in Mame? Does that rejuvenate you? And you said this is this feels right. Mame is, I mean, such a fantastic role as well. Yeah, it was great, you know. But I think in a way it was just kind of like um, I was starting. I was starting over again, but it was with all this experience. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it was it was new, but it was mm-hmm. you know having lived. Yeah. yeah. And then how long after that until you won your first Tony, which was another nice so that sign was, that you did things right. So that was, we moved in 1999 uh-huh. and in 2001. So it was two Boom. years. 42nd Street. Yeah. Wow. 
So then it was, then and I think, I think, I think in a way that was a nod, you know, that 42nd street was a nod to, you know, my body of work. You think mm. so? I think so. I think that was, you know, because I get a broken leg before act one ends, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like, no, it's interesting to hear you say you that know? because sometimes people win awards and it's something that people say about them. Like, yeah, like, you know, that role uh-huh. was fine, but yeah, it, like, yeah. it was really for everything uh-huh. else they did before yeah. it. You rarely hear a performer say that about themselves. I think that might be yeah. part of it. You know, the stars have to line up. You yeah, know yeah, what yeah, I mean? yeah, of course. But, right. And then your acceptance speech when you won for Grey Gardens is legendary mm-hmm. now, right? Um, the comment that you made about they said you were over the hill or whatever. Yeah, and I'm over the hill and a part of a lifetime. Right, yeah. right, <laughs> right. And talk about the part of a lifetime. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what a woman. What a, I mean, <laughs> just what a story. And I don't know the music to that show terribly well, but I'm really curious now to explore it because turning that story into a musical and how that was portrayed is, is sounds fascinating. And I mean, what was it like to become that role? Was it a very immersive, like a more immersive process than say a Guinevere or a, or someone in 42nd Street? I mean, it's just like such a psychological role for yeah. a Broadway musical. It, you know, it's you interesting know? how that all happened, how the universe was preparing me because I was out in LA doing a TV pilot. Mm-hmm that literally never got finished. But I was there for like a month. Like you shot it? Yeah, and at like two in the morning when it wasn't finished, like, they're like, okay, well, um, we're going to go home now and uh, we'll give you a call. And that was it. Was it? Does Broadway ever disintegrate just like yes, into thin air like does, that? It okay. does, yeah. Uh-huh. Probably just not in the same way. <laughs> right. But yeah, yeah, it does. Okay. But um, so anyway, so I was out there and I was staying with my friend Jeff Danis, and uh, he's living in the Hollywood Hills, a voiceover agent that I've known forever. So um, I brought, a, I got a brand new DVD player back in the old days, you know. <laughs> and um, he said, "Well, have you ever seen Grey Gardens?" And I'm like, uh, "I've heard of that, but I never saw it." He goes, "Oh, you gotta, you gotta get, you gotta rent this documentary. You're gonna love it." So I went to the, you know, whatever the video store was back in the day, and I got, you know, like five, six videos and. Grey Gardens was one of them. Mm -hmm. Well, that was the first one I popped into the DVD player and I never saw any of the other movies. Mm -hmm. I just became obsessed immediately. I mean, it was like I I, I breakfast, lunch and dinner. You know, I was watching. I couldn't get enough of this documentary. Never, ever, ever did it ever occur to me. It's like, hey, this would make a great musical. (laughs) Wait, this wasn't on the table at that point or or it was? You just, you just like a year and a half before. You just became transfixed. It's a strange world to to live in, to like, (laughs) to to become obsessed with. Well, I think as as an actor, you know, that's probably where the, the psychologist part of me, you know what I mean? Because you, I mean, you have to, to be a good actor, you really have to have that that sort of heart intelligence. You know what I mean? It's not just a it's not just an intellectual endeavor. Mm-hmm. It's an emotional intelligence. And I think I think as actors, we find that stuff endlessly compelling. You know, like how did that happen? Yeah, right, right. How how did those people that had quote unquote everything? Mm-hmm end up like that mm-hmm. 
And that's always been a fascination with me because I always thought, well, how did the Titanic go down? There were yeah. rich people on it. You know? <laughs> right, right. It's like totally. that somehow Who this illusion so that bad. money is going to save you yeah. from your mm-hmm. ultimate demise, uh-huh. right? right? In a way. Yeah. It's a it's a very powerful illusion. Oh, but that's so interesting that so. you be, you were really in like yeah. a fan of that obsessed, film and obsessed, obsessed with that film before the role. And then a year and a half later, I you know, I got a call. Can you go to can you go down to Florida and and you must and, have said and work on great the garden. It was like great <laughs> musical. Gardens, you've got to be kidding me. So I already like understood I mean I already was obsessed. Like a student of that yeah. character. Yeah. It was like the universe was getting me ready for it. Yeah. So then there must have been a, some, an easier process than if you had just been starting from scratch. I, mean, I don't know because right. it didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She'll never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was Are, that a challenging role to live in d- d- night after night? I'm sure it was. Or is it every, <laughs> you know, everything sure has its own challenges? Children will be in therapy for years. <laughs> But maybe it's yeah, like therapy because it for stays you with role. you. Right. I mean, it's. I mean, it, you just you 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 can't separate yourself totally. I mm-hmm. mean, you can try, but it just doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, as an actor, is there different ways that things are challenging? Like, do you say to yourself, "Oh, I'm more intimidated when I start, you know, a new project on a movie set, or a new project on a TV, or a new." Broadway role, or if, if it's comedy, it's harder. Is there something that particularly is more intimidating than other types of performing? No, I wouldn't say intimidating, but certainly there are mediums that are more challenging. And I think that's where cabaret comes in. Mm-hmm. That's the most challenging. Really? Wow. Yeah, of How all. So? Well, because it's, you know, you're the you're kind of you're doing it all in mm-hmm. a way and it's and it's the most autonomy in a sense but it's also you're not it's the most challenging because you don't know anything to hide behind it's so naked right. yeah. yeah 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 and in very small rooms like yep. like the carlisle yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you write do you write the the yeah. story yeah do the whole thing so um yeah so it's selecting the songs and you know finding you know having an idea of the narrative and then putting all the pieces of the puzzle together to kind of take the ride of that you want to take and then you write that yeah and you know you write the narrative that takes you to the next song sounds yeah very so very challenging but also maybe one of the most fun it is the most fulfilling fulfilling okay fulfilling Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, definitely yeah so that's what you're doing next week (laughs) And Anything here we you can are. tell yes. us, yeah, <laughs> yes. about like the the Tuesday. theme or the story or what? Um, it's actually about uh, being empty nester. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Very, and very a real. Time of self reflection. <laughs> nice. Wow. Right. What are can we? What are some songs that we'll hear? Um. There's like Joni Mitchell, Jerome Kern, Gershwin. Yeah. So there's there's a. There's a bunch of stuff in there. That's very exciting. Yeah. It's, and Larry Yerman, who is my musical director, it's the first time we've done a club act together. Mm-hmm. We, he was the music director of Greg Gardens, and he was the music director of War Paint, which I was out in Chicago doing. And we did a Noel Coward album together. So, cool. and he's quite scholarly in his approach. I mean, he's just, He's really something. So I'm really thrilled to be doing this with him. And um, it's going to be with uh, 
with guitar and cello. Oh, Lovely. nice. Have you played so the cello really, before? This is my sixth time. Wow. Is, uh, what a room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a really great room. It's a, you know, it's just very like old world. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's old New York. That's what's great about it. We love it. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any theater productions in the, in the works? Well, anything you can tease? Well, let's say we hope and expect good things to come from the production of War Paint in Chicago. But cool. we don't know yet. Okay. That's a new musical. Yeah, okay. about Elizabeth Arden and Helena Rubinstein. Mm-hmm. Who did They're you the play? Same, same uh, Elizabeth Arden. And it's the same uh, group that brought you Grey Gardens. So it's Scott Franklin. Nice, so that all the... Corey, a Doug group Wright, that you know Michael back Wright. together. That's mm-hmm. so nice. Very cool. Yeah. All right, well, fingers yeah. crossed for yeah. that. Yeah. That's exciting. All right, Christine, thank you thank so you much. Thank you so much. Oh, what my a gosh, treat. it was fun. We yes. wish you a very safe and easy commute back <laughs> yeah. to Maplewood. I think I want to take a cab. There yeah. you go. Okay. Lilacs return in spring, will you? When larks in the meadow sing, Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.